Welcome to the JT The Brick Show. You know, when you put the silver and black uniform on, you get such a surge of energy. It's time for the JT The Brick Show. And a lot of football players around the country that want to wear that silver and black. JT The Brick. When you talk about the Raiders, everyone knows you talk about the Raiders. On Raider Nation Radio 920 AM, here's your host, JT The Brick. All right, welcome back to hour number two on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM and on the Raiders mobile app. Appreciate you joining us and check out Five Iron Golf inside Area 15, the best place to play simulated golf with brand new clubs. You can get fitted. You can have drinks, beverages, food. It's inside Area 15. That's where I spend my Saturdays for an hour or two, literally every Saturday. And my golf game gets better because of Five Iron Golf, proud partner of our show. Joe Theismann and Jay Schrader this hour expected to join us. And we're going to preview the Washington football team as they're on a short week. They won on Monday night football over Seattle. They intercepted a pass on a two-point conversion to close out that game. And then afterwards, we just saw raw emotion. But you saw a lot of raw emotion after the Raiders won, right? On Thursday, Daniel Carlson ate the turkey leg with the Stetson cap on, and Derek Carr was laughing and having fun. The Raiders had a lot of emotion after that win and coming back to Las Vegas. But it just seems like Washington, from what I've seen on social media, they're jacked up. I mean, they're ready. They've won three in a row. They beat Tom Brady and Russell Wilson. Now, every team's flawed. That's what's cool about this year. I think that's why it's so important that the Raiders make a playoff run. Because wouldn't you say this is the year to sneak in? Doesn't it feel like, I'm not saying that the Raiders roster is anywhere near the rosters of the Raider past, especially Super Bowl 15 and 18, one being a wild card. But I think the competition was tougher for Jim Plunkett and Tom Flores in Super Bowl 15 and that journey than it would be this year. You got Tennessee, a flawed team. You got the Patriots well ahead of schedule with their team. I mean, Raider Nation, wouldn't you be thrilled to play the opening round of the playoffs as a seven seed up against the Patriots? And to see, and have to go on that trip and play Mac Jones, I'd take that today. It's not like these teams are running away. Baltimore is in front of the North with an 8-3 and three record. The Raiders already beat them. The Bengals, the Raiders, I think could beat them. I mean, the Bengals aren't better than the Raiders or much better. They beat them. And then we look at Kansas City, and Kansas City's only one game better than the Raiders in the loss column. Kansas City's 7-4. and four. Okay, that's 11 games. Kansas City at this point in time could be 10 and 1, 9 and 2 in previous years. They're not that same team. So this is a good year to catch them. The Colts could be one of the best teams out there. They're 6 and 6. They're out of the playoffs now. Uh, Denver concerns me because Denver should have been left on the side of the road, done. And all of a sudden, Denver is right in the hunt again. That's a big deal. And the Chargers, I think the Chargers are a very good team, but very flawed. Because the Chargers can't get out of the way of themselves. If the Chargers would just play to their ability, the Chargers might be the best team in the AFC, but they never do. They always play down to their ability. So with all that happening here, I think the Raiders got a puncher's chance. I go to a lot of boxing fights, as you know. You go in, there's a favorite, there's an underdog. Most of the time, the favorite always wins. Because the favorite's much better than the underdog. Not the case here. The Raiders have a puncher's chance to win. But the same thing could be said about the Washington football team. The Raiders and and Washington both have a puncher's chance, and these coaches know it. As I bring in my longtime friend, former MVP, 
Super Bowl champion, former NFL Man of the Year, the great Joe Theismann. How are you, Joe? It's Washington football team in Las Vegas. Did you ever think you'd say that, Joe? No, I didn't, JT. Good to catch up with you, buddy. Great catching up with you, Joe. Joe, I want to go back to Washington's win on Monday night, the emotion after that win. Rivera in the locker room, Heineke, this team's fighting for their lives. They beat Russell Wilson, and now they have momentum coming to Vegas. Yeah, Russell Wilson was a shell of himself, let's be honest, okay? I mean, he was inaccurate. uh, But I thought our defense played great, particularly the guys up front. Taylor has just played three really solid, good football games, uh, making great decisions, getting the ball where it needs to. You know, some of those drives almost look too easy, uh, if you could actually say that for Washington against Seattle. And Seattle has, has become a shell of a football team as well. They're, there's lots, I mean, you don't, you don't throw the ball to DK Metcalf until, what, six minutes to yeah. go in the third quarter? I mean, it's just... They changed offensive coordinators, and I don't think it served them well, and you're going to hear a lot of rumbling out there, I'm sure. But in Washington, Ron Rivera's just done a great job of basically telling everybody, just relax. Just relax. We're, you know, it's a process. We're getting there. We're growing. And that's, that's what you're seeing. You're seeing the growth in Taylor Heineke. You're seeing the growth in the defense and their ability to communicate. They had a couple of blown coverages, but, hey, that happens in football games. You're not looking for the perfect scenario. But overall, uh, the running game has been solid. I mean, they should play really good football teams. I mean, they beat Tampa. They beat Carolina, who has one of the best teams in football. And then you beat Seattle, who has, you know, Russell, when healthy, Mm -hmm. is an exceptional quarterback. But right now, I think that finger's a problem. And you can see, I think he's a bit inaccurate with it. Joe Theismann joins us. Joe, tell us a little bit more about Taylor Heineke because he's got to be a guy looking over his shoulder eventually if Aaron Rodgers isn't happy in Green Bay or Russell wants out of Seattle and there's always a lot of quarterback movement, let alone the draft. What's it been like getting to know him, watching him play, and talk about the process of him getting comfortable with his teammates? Really enjoyed, really enjoyed watching him grow. And you can see, you know, the effects when offensive linemen run over to pick you up. That tells me an awful lot about how they feel about you. And you see that with, with Taylor. Yeah, he's, you know, the thing is, he's protected himself. I mean, we, we forget the guy started, what, 13 football games. He's basically a rookie in the National Football League. And he's staying smart. He's staying healthy. He's not putting himself in a situation where he's going to get hurt. Uh, he's making excellent throws. Uh, one of the problems in the beginning of the year for Washington was scoring points. Now they're getting points. And they're getting long drives. They're getting 16-play drives, 12-play drives. They're eating up eight and nine minutes. Um, This football team is finding itself, and Taylor is the reason why. In the beginning of the year, he was making some throws down around the goal line. Remember the one play where he he gave himself up, and all he needed to do was walk in the end zone. He's he's just making a lot better decisions. And, you know, I'm listening here to Washington Radio, too, and everybody's going, Aaron Rodgers. How many Super Bowls has Aaron Rodgers won? One. How many how many Super Bowls did Brad Johnson win? One. <laughs> how many Super Bowls did Trent Dilfer win? One. Jeff Hostetler Haas. <laughs> how, many, how many did Jeff Hostetler win? Yeah, I got you, Joe. Yeah. You know, I, I'm. I'm. I. It was funny. I knew I had to talk to you, but I was going to call our radio station here and just rip these guys upside down because they don't know what they're talking about. Seriously, you know, you're going to go. You're going to go get Aaron Rodgers for how many years? And you're going to have him learn a new system. 
Where is Aaron Rodgers without Devontae Adams in Green Bay? Seriously. Good point. You know, where, where is he? Where is Russell Wilson, uh, you know, again, getting longer in the tooth, an acclimation to a new system? You look at the time it has taken Scott Turner, the offensive coordinator, to really get on the same page with Taylor Heineke to figure out what the kid can do and, and the offense that you want to incorporate him in. You would have to go through that same process. It's, the game economically is about the quarterback position, but the game when it comes to winning is about what's around the quarterback position. And one of those things happens to be the defense. You have to be able to play defense. And uh, again, I, you, last year, I know Tom Brady was the Super Bowl MVP. I'd have given it to the defense of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Joe Theismann joins us. Joe, one more thing on this Washington football team as it comes to Vegas. Last game, you just nailed it. 41 minutes, 40 seconds of possession. The, the amount of plays they ran, and that's because they're moving the chains. And that's what makes Heineke interesting because Derek Carr ran in Dallas, and he doesn't run often. And that game was a Raider victory, and that was a big one for the Raiders to keep their season alive. I'm just amazed at Washington's time of possession. They really want to run it, set up third and short, and let Heineke make a play and keep the opponent on the sidelines. It's worked out really well this year. The formula is coming around. I mean, they yeah. tried to do it earlier, but, you know, Brandon Sheriff was out. I mean, we're on our fourth center. Mm-hmm. Washington's on his fourth center. And let me talk about that Raider-Dallas game. The Dallas Cowboys are the most undisciplined, talented football team in the National Football League. Okay? They make more penalties than anybody. They've got a ton of talent. They can't line up on side. They do it in critical situations. They're without their two best receivers. And, and I'm not sure. And I know coming back off of the leg injury, um, Dak isn't quite where he wants to be. I think, from a comfort level, moving around. Uh, He's coming off of a very severely broken leg. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, to me, the Raiders hung in there against the Dallas Cowboy team that basically said, you know what, we really think that you guys as the Raiders should win this football game. You know, we know we we have talent, but we're undisciplined. We're going to commit stupid penalties. We're going to get 15-yard penalties. We're going to jump off sides. Oh, oh, let's do this. Let's line up off sides twice in a row. I mean, I looked at, I watched that game very closely because I think the Cowboys are a very talented football team. Mm-hmm. And they started out great. But now all of a sudden you look at the mistakes that they're making. And, you know, basically the Cowboys are beating the Cowboys when another opponent is on the other side of the ball. The Raiders, the Raiders, Washington, Carolina, um, you know, I think all those are the same football teams, but Washington's playing better as a football team, and that's what we're seeing now. Joe Theismann. Joe, you're a college football Hall of Famer, a legend at Notre Dame. Walk me through the exit strategy of Brian Kelly with the players who have a chance, if there's a chaos theory, and not too much chaos, to actually get in to the college football playoff. How do they handle it? What does an alumni, a Hall of Famer in college, think of this? It's nuts. Uh, but, it, but again, college football is nuts. I mean, you look at Lincoln going to Southern California, you know, $6 million home, airplanes. You know, this is what the universities are offering these coaches. And Brian, you, know, you can't fault Brian Kelly for, for cashing in on a payday nearly $100 million. I mean, unfortunately, 
Um, he did a great job for us the last five years. He's 54 and nine. You know, but and I believe he was out recruiting just the other day before he decided to leave, yeah. which I didn't really. You know, that that bothered me a little bit. I mean, if you're going to go, go. And then he had an 11 minute meeting with the with the football team. Um, those things, uh, you know, having known Brian as long as I have, I found him out of character for him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To be honest with you. But you know what? You got to remember something, and this is interesting. I, I, we did a podcast last night, with Timmy Brown and Chris Zorich and, and a bunch of us. And one of the guys made a point. Remember, Notre Dame courted Brian Kelly from Cincinnati. I believe Cincinnati was 12-0. and 0. Yes. And Notre Dame got Brian Kelly. Now all of it, you know, how did Cincinnati feel? Well, now we know how they felt. Because LSU came and got Brian Kelly from Notre Dame, and the shoe is on the other foot, and it doesn't feel very comfortable. Joe, um, Joe, let me stop. What blows me away here is the criticism. Like, why would someone who's a Notre Dame lifer like Kelly, with the records that he set up, leave for LSU? And everybody says, we know the SEC is the strongest conference. They say that he could get players easier. Of course he can. There's a standard at Notre Dame, and that standard for academics is not at LSU. And you can get a nice education at LSU. It's not going to be a Notre Dame education. When's that conversation going to stop? Is he leaving because the four or five players that can help him win a national championship, he can't get through to Notre Dame and he loses them to Alabama, Clemson, and LSU? Uh, no. I, you know, he's 54-9. and nine. You don't, you don't win football games on concepts and philosophies, J.T. You win it with players. You know, we put four guys in the NFL on the offensive line last year. Mm-hmm. You look at Chase Claypool. Look, look at the guys that are playing to it. Uh, the, the list goes on and on and on of guys that have left Notre Dame and are playing and playing very well in the National Football League. You know, obviously the quarterback position is the key at anything. Just talk to uh, Dabo Sweeney down in Clemson about the quarterback position and with Joe Burrow gone, and where are you now? Um, and to me, I just wonder. I don't know for a fact, but I wonder in the back of Brian's mind, he basically said, the one thing I want, I've got the records, I've got everything I want at Notre Dame, I don't know if I can win a national championship at Notre Dame. I don't know if he, I don't I think it might have reached a point with him where he just wasn't sure. Oh, and then you get in then you then you get into the SEC. Yeah, good and luck. And you look at well, you know, there's <laughs> there's a lot of talent spread around. I mean, you know, he's going to be competing against a lot of schools, but that so does Notre Dame. Notre Dame competes against Alabama when it comes to recruiting. You... I, I proposed I proposed an interesting I think an interesting situation. When a coach sits down in a living room or a kitchen with parents and a player, are the players and parents, are they being sold by the individual or by the university? Notre Dame offers a lot in a lot of ways to a lot of young athletes, men and women. We offer an awful lot there. Our women's sports have been fantastic. We're more national championships recently than, our, than any other program. Our baseball team was in the finals last year. Uh, so, you know, you, you, you look around. We can get the players. It just didn't quite get there for Brian. And I think he said, maybe it's time for me to go someplace else. And Nick Saban left LSU. Right. I mean, we've seen coaches move around, and only Brian can answer the question of why.
and I don't know if he did it in his press conference today, I doubt if he ever would publicly explain why he did what he did. But I think some of it had to do with the fact that maybe he didn't get what he wanted from the university. Maybe there were upgrades that they were, you know, not moving fast enough for him. Uh, and certainly, how do you, how do you ignore the dollars, JT? I mean, I can't. you know, we, we can philosophically bounce a thousand balls off a wall, but it's still it's dollar signs that are speaking. Last one for the great Joe Theismann. Joe, I was thinking of you. Your leg injury, high profile. Tiger Woods car accident, leg injury, very high profile. The speech he gave at the Hero World Championship in the Bahamas really had a big impact on me. And you're a motivational speaker at the highest level. You've been through it. You've had those thoughts in your mind about an injury, recovering, a potential comeback. And here goes Tiger again. He referenced Ben Hogan. You play golf at a very high level. What'd you get out of some of those sound bites on what he has to do on the back end of his career, not being a full-time golfer on the PGA Tour, but as he said, ramping it up to play in big tournaments and majors? I, you know, I didn't see the press conference, but I will tell you, if anybody can come back, it's Tiger. The only question that I have, it is not just his ankle. It is not just the power that he has to create. It's the, it's the walking that he's going to have to do. And it's the back. You, we can't ignore the fact that uh, he's had multiple back surgeries. And how will I know me with my leg? My knee, my hip, and my back are affected by my leg. Um, those are all questions that remain to be seen. But from a determination standpoint, I bet on Tiger going, going and getting ready and getting it done. Will he be able to be the player that he was? Probably not, but he never really was. He just was, you know, he found ways to win. He found ways to compete. You know, I think Tiger Woods is a great inspirational story. Alex Smith is the story of not an athlete, but a man who wouldn't allow somebody to tell him he couldn't get it done. Two years removed from his injury, he's quarterbacking the Washington football team against the Los Angeles Rams. People kept saying, why would you do it? I guarantee you they're saying this to Tiger. Why? Why would you do this? And, and my response to that is, JT, that people don't know us. They just don't know what drives an individual. And, and to me, that's got to be the inspiration to millions and millions of people that may be struggling with something in their life. You can't give up. You can't quit. You have to strive to continue to do what you need to do to, for you. Be selfish. It's for you. And, and, and move on. And I think, you know, Tiger right now is, uh, I'm excited. I'm excited about his future and very curious. Thank you, Joe. Look forward to seeing you soon. Thanks to Jamie for setting this up. Can't wait to see you. Thanks for coming on as always. You bet, buddy. Bye-bye. Joe Theismann. How about that? I mean, these conversations today with these legends, Brett Musburger especially and Joe Theismann, really important. Happy that we're able to bring that to you and we're able to book these guests. Joe Theismann on the Washington football team. Telling you, we're giving you the analysis we think coming into this game. Ball control, ball control, ball control. Long drives for Washington, physical team. I don't know what more we can do in the next two days than preach that and bring that home. You better bring your lunch pail if you're the Raiders to this game because this team's coming in and they're looking to headbutt. They're looking to go. They want a brawl in the trenches. They want to put the Raiders down physically. The Raiders 
big, strong, physical guys like Leatherwood, Crosby, and Gakwe got to match the intensity of Washington because they're bringing some bullies on the plane, and they're playing for their lives. 702-365-9200. Another celebrity, Stoner Dude, checking in. How are you, brother? I am truly honored, JT. I got a, lot, a few points today. First off, you know, I heard uh, I called you week one, JT, because I wanted to keep Marcus Mariota when we were talking about trading him. I said, we got to keep him because he's talented. We need a backup. He's got legs. And I called it week one, Cariota. And now Derek Carr's using it. You know, Derek, you know, you heard it from me and you heard it here on JT. All right. But I'm glad you're doing it. We got talent. We can't leave it on the sideline. We got to get it on the field. And that's the way we're going to win some games. I loved, loved the interview with Brent Musburger, JT, a wise man who's lived a little, to say the least. <laughs> he called it, just like we all did, it's a hit job on Gruden. And you know what? Yeah, he said some stupid things 11 years ago on a private email, but the bottom line, and I said it all along, he didn't have to have his career completely destroyed over it. And I stand with Coach Gruden, and I hope he fights to the bitter end. Uh, when, you know, when the Washington football team hired Ron Rivera and then Jack Del Rio, I knew at the very least that there was going to be a culture change. And, man, they are playing tough. They scrap. They fight. In this game, JT, it's going to be a back alley brawl with lead pipes and bricks. Mm -hmm. And that's what it's going to take for the Raiders to step up and do the same. And I love how we've been getting pressure up the middle, finally, from our defensive tackle position and from Yannick Ngakwe. So I think we can match that intensity, and I think we can win this one. And uh, lastly, I want to say dedicate this one to Bobby Machado. Mm -hmm. 48 years ago, the great Black Sabbath releases Sabbath bloody sabbath and that's my theme for the weekend wear black in the great words of black hole rob <laughs> rivera i'm calling a close one jt 2824 raiders 2824 i'd take that all day long oh i would take that i'd i'd plant the flag at the 50 for that score that'd be a beautiful thing it'd be a good game and it'd come down to the wire yeah bobby did a great job today and i want to dedicate this show again to frank harnish Ballpark Frank, who passed away, and our whole building is crushed. We lost one of our teammates here. Everybody in Vegas who've listened to Lotus, it could be ESPN, it could be Fox, it could be the pre and post for the Golden Knights, could have been on any of our stations. You know, Ballpark Frank passed away. Hopefully we do something. I'm sure this is a family here at Lotus. We do an amazing job being a family here at Lotus. And everybody who runs this company had a special place in their heart for Ballpark Frank, who passed away, and we're always thinking of him. Always thinking of him. And I know Bobby's hurting because he's he was great friends with him. I've known him a long time. It's a big loss. We're brought to you by Woodson Whiskey, the iconic Charles Woodson. You think he's had a good year <laughs> with all the Hall of Fames, number of retirements he's had? Why don't you go buy a bottle over the holiday, WoodsonWhiskey.com. WoodsonWhiskey.com. Get that bottle in your house and celebrate with the Raider Nation. I think Nate tackled in their hobs right there inside the 10. Um, and then we were able to get um, them to punt the ball and then play complimentary football. And, you know, all three phases of the game um, play well today. And so... Yeah, we got to keep playing complimentary football. 
And if we do that, then I think we'll be tough to beat. That's Hunter Renfro, JT, back with you. What a day. We had Brent Musburger on, Bill Williamson, who covers the Raiders. Joe Theismann just joined us. And now I get to bring in another former quarterback who had a great career from the Washington football team to the Raiders and every point in between, especially as a college quarterback at the highest level and one of the alumni who works in this community in Vegas as hard as anybody. Jay Schrader, kind enough to join us. How are you, Jay? Hope you had a good Thanksgiving. I'm doing well, happy Thanksgiving to you, JT. How's everybody doing? We couldn't be better. Great week to get you on with your connections to both teams and a really big spot, Jay, for both these teams. It looks like Washington already already in the playoffs. They're the seventh seed. They're playing their best football coming into Las Vegas. What have you seen with this team? They're very physical, highly motivated with Ron Rivera, and they've been playing well. They beat Tom Brady and Russell Wilson in the last three weeks. Well, what they've done is their defense has played up to what everybody expected them to. They didn't start out that way. Uh, the defense has played really well, and they found offense at the right times. Uh, their, their offense isn't really consistent yet. I think they're working on that, but at times they have played really well. But the defense has certainly stepped up the game the last few weeks, and that's really what has helped Washington. Jay Schrader joins us. Jay, from a Raiders perspective, and you, you cover this team closely, Seems when Carr's attacking downfield and they're playing faster and they get Carr loose in a rhythm, they're a completely different team than when they establish the run or they check down on third down and they're not attacking. What's your analysis of the Raiders so far this year? Well, I think you're correct in that analysis. They need to continue to attack down the field. Um, so many of these teams get into the checkdown game and they never stretch the defense out. The Raiders have capabilities of stretching guys out, um, and they need to do that and hit the home run plays. They've done that over the course of the year, and they need to continue that. But it's a fine line because they do need the run game. They need Jacobs to get in there and run the ball, and then that opens up the, the play-action pass on first and second down. So it's a fine line. Uh, Derek Carr has played exceptionally well the last you know year and three quarters, or if not farther than that. Um, to get a run game going, that would that would really help them in this push to get into the playoffs. Former Pro Bowler and Super Bowl champion Jay Schrader, kind enough to join us. Jay, I want to go back to Al Davis and your first meetings. Would I be fair to say that you were on his radar at UCLA, if not before? And obviously your big arm with Washington. Take us through the first times you talked to Mr. Davis and how that relationship began. Uh, the first time that I talked to Mr. Davis, I was actually doing a free agent workout uh, on a small junior high school field in, in L.A. He was there uh, with a couple of the coaches, and uh, all they were doing was having me throw. This was after my baseball days, and uh, he was there, and he loved the fact that I could throw the ball down the field. And I remember uh, Larry Kinnon was the quarterback coach at the time before I got drafted, and he said, okay, I want you to drop back, and then I'll tell you when to throw it. And basically it was, how far can you throw it, kid? And so I waited and waited and waited and, and chucked, chucked a couple out there, you know, 85 yards or so. And Al was like, damn, that kid can throw. <laughs> so, yeah, I was on his radar before anything. So it was, it's kind of nice. We talked about your baseball career and your live arm. And going back to your youth as a kid, to be an elite baseball player and then become a professional world champion quarterback, I mean, who do you give credit to? What was your early years like with your family, the kids in your neighborhood, when you were building your passion for sports? 
Well, I think I think growing up, um, my dad and mom were always my biggest fans. Um, they never put any restrictions on me or my brothers or anybody. They always said, hey, if you want to go do it, go do it. And they always supported uh, and pushed us. And I found out very early on that I could throw stuff. So um, it was always, it always came natural to me. And as I got older, I also realized that you needed to work on the other things. Um, just being able to throw the ball wasn't good enough. So uh, I was fortunate to have some really, really good people uh, instruct me um, along the way and uh, very fortunate in that regard. Jay Schrader. Jay, with the run that you had with Washington and the transition to the Raiders, when you go back in time, what were the most difficult parts about that transition in your career, and what were some of the high notes? Uh, well, the high note was getting the call at one thirty in the morning after a Monday night game and from Mr. Davis and saying that uh, I had just been traded and that he'll see me tomorrow and that – I have a 7 o'clock press conference in Washington, and my flight leaves at 8.15, and he'll see me in the afternoon. Talk to you later. I was like, okay, I guess uh, I need to get going. Um, So that was a highlight. uh, You know, one of the things that you don't realize is after the first week, you know, that was after the first game of the season in 88, uh, and then I get there, and I meet him in L.A., and, you know, it's Tuesday afternoon, and I'm just getting introduced and everything else. And he looks over at me, and he goes, can you start this week? <laughs> I was like, uh, you mean like in five days? <laughs> so, uh, you know, the pressure was on at that point in time. Uh, I didn't start that week. I waited till the next week. We started up in Denver. Uh, that was my first game as a red quarterback. So I looked at it. It, it was a lot of fun. Um, I enjoyed immensely my time. Uh, Mr. Davis treated us extremely well, so I was very fortunate. Jay, wrapping this up, you're a big part of the alumni here, and, you know, you're alumni of a couple other teams, and especially UCLA. What's the difference between being an alumni of the Raiders, once a Raider, always a Raider? Uh, It's night and day. Uh, The way they treat, the way they inform their alumni uh, has been outstanding. Um, You know, I do things for Washington on occasion, although it's quite a ways away. Um, the Cardinals, I played one year in Arizona. I've done a couple of things. I've never heard from Cincinnati in my career. Um, but what the, the Raiders have always made it a point to keep you informed and keep you involved, and they do live by that motto, once a Raider, always a Raider. It uh, doesn't matter where you've been uh, before, after, or anything like that. If you put on that Raider jersey, you're, you're Raider family. Especially health and wellness, right, and making sure you're in the right place with your body and your mind. Yeah, and, that, and that's a good point. They've really emphasized that the last year and a half, and uh, that's a good thing because, you know, we all, we all need it. Um, sometimes we don't admit to the fact that we need some help and it's the more and more that uh, we get out guys talk about it uh, mental health issues and everything else along the league the better it is for everybody because then it becomes less of an obstacle and more guys can get treatment so uh, we keep trying to push make sure everybody gets in the right place um, and they'll be the, the Raiders are the first ones to tell you they don't have all the answers but let's find out where we can where we can get you some help Nicely said. Good to talk to you, Jay. I hope to see you soon. Thanks for coming on. 
Thank you, JT. Have a great day. You too. Jay Schrader, former Raider and Washington football team quarterback. And I want to stop the show and make this point again. Very important with Jay, who didn't win a championship with the Raiders, was in a really tough spot. Rick, it brought over expectations were high. What I've seen from this man over the years is incredible. I get a chance to MC some events, and Jay's at him. And Jay works the room and does everything he can to help out other people. One of the more superior athletes, period, a high school at Pacific Palisades, UCLA. Then he goes a third-round pick to Washington, Okay, wins the Super Bowl as a backup, goes to the Raiders. The Al Davis story was really unique, as you just heard that. One of the strongest arms in NFL history and a man who took a ton of punishment, who could take the punishment. He took a beating in his career and got up. Very similar to Jim Plunkett, who ended up being, in my opinion, a future Hall of Famer should already be in. And Jim won two Super Bowls and a Super Bowl MVP. But if you think of the beatings that he took and got right back up, 6'4", 220 pounds. Guy who could have played professional baseball as he did and makes the transition to the NFL. Think of him that way. Don't think of him as how many games did he win with the Raiders? What did he do here or there? What was his t- He threw 114 touchdowns and over 20,000 yards. But he was elite in high school, college, and the pros and played multiple sports. That's what you judge him for. He walks into a room, that's a superior athlete who has been an athlete at the highest level since he was 14 years old. Some win more than others. But he went to a Pro Bowl in 86 and obviously a member of the Super Bowl roster of Super Bowl 22. We appreciate Jay Schrader coming on, once a Raider, always a Raider, brought to you by the M Resort Spa and Casino. And that's where we host the pre- and post-games when the Raiders are on the road which is always a good time to get out there. They have two bars. They have the Modelo Bar in the front of the Raiders Tavern and Grill, and in the back they have the Remy Martin Room and the Remy Martin Bar. No surprise, two partners of our show here, and we really love working with them. Thanks again to Jay Schrader for coming on, and when we come back, we have either Derek Carr we can play a couple of bites from, and the coach. i got to go interview the coach tomorrow. i got a problem. He doesn't like to talk about what happened. So I want to say, hey, coach, how did it feel to beat Dallas? He'll look at me like, what are you talking about? We got a game. So I got to interview Coach Basaccia tomorrow and host the Silver and Black Show Friday with Lincoln Kennedy. You can find all of that at Raiders.com. come up a winner upsetting the Dallas Cowboys on Thanksgiving afternoon 36-33 and they snap the three game losing streak and jump right back into the thick of playoff talk nice Brett Musburger on the call what do we have here Bobby oh the Beatles get back Okay. Jojo was a man who thought he was a loner, but in 
good. Turn it up. documentary changed my life on Disney Plus. The Beatles get back. I just knocked it out. I'm going to watch it the rest of my life. It was incredible to see the Beatles right before their last performance on the roof at Apple. Build those songs from scratch and then play them in a matter of three weeks. And the police on the ground and the rooftop. And when Paul took off his bass, that's the last time they ever played together. And no one knew at the time. Yoko Ono, uh, John Lennon, Ringo and his wife, Linda Eastman with Paul McCartney, kids around. It was mind-blowing because it was beautiful. It was a documentary that they didn't screw up. They didn't have a voiceover guy, and they didn't go back. They went back a little bit. They just left it alone. And what they did, we're going to talk about this with Lights Camera Jackson, the young movie critic. I think he's going to join us tomorrow. Holiday movies, which is a rarity for me. I only do that during the holidays. But you have got to get Disney Plus just to watch this. Maybe you like Star Wars, The Mandalorian, however you're going to do it. But The Beatles Get Back, that three-part documentary directed by Peter Jackson. It covered the making of The Beatles' 1970 album, Let It Be, as they performed it right at the end of 1969, coming off of New Year's. And they all met up at the studio, and they tried to put a project together, and they built the songs one after another from scratch. And these are the greatest songs of our lifetime. So when you hear them trying to find the words and find the melodies to this, and then three weeks later, it becomes Let It Be, incredible. Please watch it. I'm telling you, it's that good. I haven't stopped talking about it. My wife's like, enough. And she's watching Housewives, or she's watching this. I'm like, no, I'm going back down. I'm going to watch it again. The Beatles get back. Rich Basaccia, I just met the media over in Henderson. Okay, today, obviously, um, I just got done with practice, and, and uh, Wilder did not participate. Um, Carl Nassip did not. Patrick did not. And, and um, they're still week to week. We'll know a little bit more as uh, I get with our trainer at the end of the day today. Um, we had worked a new snapper in today. Depending on what happens with Trent as we go through the week, um, Carson Tinker, he played last in Tampa Bay a few weeks ago, actually played against uh, Washington the last time he played. Um, and uh, Trayvon Mullen is still week to week. He ran a little bit off to the side today, but I haven't talked to uh, Chris to see where he is at this particular point. So that's where we're at. I'll take any questions you may have. Rich, we've seen uh, how sneaky big uh, a snapper can be. Um, there's games that have been lost because of that when a guy goes out of the lineup. How big is it? I mean, you're a special teams coach um, in the whole scheme of things to have somebody that's capable of, of filling up. Yeah, I mean, it was, you know, we, we had a couple options, a couple different guys, and he, he's um, played recently. He's played in over 70 games, and, and he's got a lot of experience. I think he played as recent as three weeks ago. So um, we're fortunate we can get him in here, um, and he f passes all the protocol, and he had a good day today, and he'll get a little bit better tomorrow. So we're, we're glad to have him right now. Rich, we saw Deshaun finally be a big part of the offense. Is it a matter of just time or, or feel from the coach staff as to when to get him more snaps and, and get him into the system in terms of, or is it just till he adapted to it and, and knew what to do? Yeah, I mean, I think you know, it was his third week in the system, and, and uh, I think Edgar did a great job, and, and, and Ole, you know did a phenomenal job of getting him in position on a lot of different uh, route concepts for us where um, 
Derek knew that he could be there when he was supposed to be there. And I think that's a little bit of it as well, trying to get a little bit of chemistry um, in practice. And, and um, we've done some things to shorten practices, so there's not as many plays maybe as we've had in the past. And so to get him the right amount of plays to get chemistry going with Derek, I think it took a little bit of time. And hopefully, again, it can get a little bit better each week. Rich, a lot of coaches and employers talk about winning or losing can be contagious. And during your three-game losing streak, effort wasn't an issue. It was just not being able to find a way to win. Can getting that win and the way you guys played on Thanksgiving be contagious for this team going down the stretch in a positive way? I'd like to think so. I'd like to think that our execution was not very good. We didn't think in those three losses. And I think if you look back at the win at Dallas, at times we executed really well. Um, at the times that we didn't, you saw some flaws in, our, flaws in our game, both in the kicking game, on offense, on defense as well, whether we gave up some explosive plays like we did in the kicking game, some that we did in the fourth quarter on defense, and then we came back in the overtime, had an explosive play with Josh's run, had the explosive play to um, – Deshaun on the big play for the 56-yard field goal and then one to Hunter. And so I think when we execute the way in which we think we can, um, we're, we're going to put ourselves in position to win every game. When we do a poor job of executing like we did in some of those situations in those three games that we lost, um, you put yourself behind the eight ball and you don't give yourself a chance to win the game. So I'd like to think it's an execution issue. Um, hopefully we're going to keep getting better at that. But I think attitudes are contagious as well, you know, so hopefully we all pick a good one. And, and, um, but I, I do agree, Hondo, that you can, you can get caught in a spiral of bad, right, and hopefully you can get caught in a spiral of, of good as well. So we'll, we'll see how that works out. You got a chance to see uh, Washington on Monday. Uh, what stands out about them? Well, certainly they're finding a way to win at the end of a game, right? Um, they're playing with a quarterback who plays with a lot of grit. Uh, my son played at Middle Tennessee, so I'm familiar with him playing at Old Dominion. And, and um, really, it's, if you're a fan of football, you, you're a fan of watching him play football. You know, he's hard to get on the ground. He can extend plays um, with his legs, and he doesn't look like he's afraid to zip a ball down the middle of the field like he did on Monday night. And certainly they're, you know, they're really running the ball well. Obviously, uh, Gibson's getting better each week um, playing running back in the league, and, and uh, they're doing a good job of blocking up front. So I think that's the first thing that you see when you look at their offense, uh, the way the quarterback's playing. And we had McLaurin in the, in the senior bowl. We all fell in love with him. You know, his attitude, his effort, his ability to make big plays. He was a great special teams player coming out. So, uh, you know, he's really playing well for him as well. And then the tight end is, you know, he's been hard to cover, and, and uh, we've we got to make sure we can know where he is, right? So, and then uh, defensively, they're, they're two inside players, you know, playing, they're playing really well. They're stout inside. Um, they're doing a great job. Their safety, Collins, comes down in the box a bunch. He's a physical player. So I think they're lining up. They're very similar to some of the teams we've played here recently that know what to do. They're trying to do it really well. They're trying to play really physical. They're giving themselves a chance to um, win games in the end by the way in which they're playing. So they, they've had a big kickoff return for a touchdown here as well this year against Atlanta. So um, they're forcing the kicking game also. Coach, uh, whether it's timing or snapping or just with penalties, what would you say – from your point of view, is the biggest area of improvement you've noticed from Andre James so far this season? Well, I think some of his one-on-one -on -one blocks, you see some improvement. We've left him on the island a little bit versus some big noses um, where he's had to reach or be able to play backdoor on some of them as well. So he's real athletic when he gets on the second level. But I think at the point of attack, um, he started to improve there and do a better job with his hand placement and being left on an island. So one-on-one -on -one with that guy. All right, that's Rich Passaccia, a portion of his press conference a little while ago. I'm sure Q will have more of it. You hear Vinny Bonsignor asking questions. We got you all covered here 
on this lineup where we got guys on the inside who are there at practice every day. They got radio shows here. They write columns in the Review Journal. So we believe we have you completely covered here heading into what is a massive game. Massive game coming up, and they should be. Every time I'm talking to you, as long as I have this privilege on Raider Nation Radio and it gets to December, you got to be in the hunt. There are plenty of teams that are not, and it's brutal to have to do a radio show on a flagship station when you got four wins or three wins in December. The Raiders have a chance to win and go 7-5 and five against a team that's beatable, and the only way you're going to beat them is by playing a clean game. Raiders got to go from about 14 penalties to below five. Okay. That's tough. Let's see if they can do that. The Raiders have got a score, I think, in this game, at least three or four touchdowns. Three or four. You want to take two on the ground, two in the air. But they're going to have to score, and the Raiders are going to have to get off the field on third down. they got to score early. they got to be aggressive, and turnovers are going to be key. I mean, it's, it's Taylor Heineke, guys. Can we intercept the football? If a ball hits you in the hands, can you catch it on defense? Can you make a play? And he mentioned McLaurin who they saw at the senior ball. He is scary. Scary Terry, as they call him in fantasy football. And I'm really intrigued by that matchup because I don't think that the Raiders can guard him one-on-one without safety help. And I think that Trayvon Mullen, as you said, he's just running lightly on the sidelines. Doesn't sound like he's coming back anytime soon. So Casey Hayward on one side has to be exceptional. Nate Hobbs. Give me more Nate Hobbs. I'll take Nate on the inside or outside. Have him. Keep him on the field. If the linebackers don't deserve to stay on the field, if they're not making enough plays, then get me more Nate Hobbs. But the linebackers are going to be very important in this game because Washington likes to run, and they like to run up the middle. And depending on the rotation of the Raiders' defensive tackles, these defensive tackles have got to get their arms wide. They've got to knock down passes. They've got to be productive because Mad Max Crosby and Yannick Ngakwe are more productive. Not, me- not meaning that the defensive tackles and the interior aren't playing well. They are. But sometimes they don't show up on the stat sheet the way they should. They have to win this game. Washington's going to run the ball up the middle. That means the middle linebacker, Perryman, or Littleton, have got to get their hands on these backs and assist in the tackling. And I'm not talking about eight yards downfield. I'm talking about behind the line of scrimmage or at the line of scrimmage. That would help in this game. What a show today. One of Bobby's best. Appreciate it. We had Joe Theismann, Brent Musburger, Jerry Schrader, and Bill Williamson. It's about as good as we can do. And because we got the best partners in all the radio, we thank all of them. Sam and Ash, InjuryLaw.com. Because you deserve what's right. If you get into an accident, two for one. Sam and Ashley, SamandAshInjuryLaw.com. I'm done. I'm out of here. I'm on the radio at night, 7 to 10 p.m. on Sirius XM 82. For everyone here at Lotus, we pay tribute to Ballpark Frank. Frank Harnish may rest in peace.